What's up, Video Landers? I'm your host, Brad Hawkins, and with me tonight is the lovely... Creepy Dwarf Lady. And Nathan. Also, calling into the studio is Matthew Wade. Thanks for calling in, sir. You're very welcome, sir. And to all of our listeners, quick reminder, you can find us on adventuresinvideoland.com or on our Facebook at Adventures in Video Land. We are critics with attitude, so please proceed with caution. Also, spoiler alert, we're going to spoil the movies we're talking about tonight, so if you don't want them ruined, pause the episode and come back later. Real quick, are you having any visions about, like, you want to make any predictions tonight? Yeah, I think Nathan's going to say midget like two or three times. Oh, you can't say that. This yeah. That's cancel culture stuff, mm-hmm. isn't it? We'll just have to see what happens. It's dwarf. Yeah. I can't make any promises. All right. Okay. <laughs> what do you think the score is going to be tonight? Oh, God. Uh, I, I think one of them's going to win 31 and the other one's going to have 20. We will see. That's remarkably yeah, specific. I it's, can't yeah. wait to see how it plays out. I mean, out. yeah. If, but that's only if, like, one person would only have one tie. That would be fucking ridiculous if one person only had one tie. Are you a psychic? Uh, maybe. We'll see. Nathan, what is the Golden Idols? The gold. Okay, so this is kind of like AV's Thunderdome, right? I mean, we have a bunch of different categories that we, uh, we, we put these films up against each other on. So, like, best location, best character, best kill. These are our Golden Idols, okay? Uh, whichever film wins a particular category gets a Golden Idol. Right, it's pretty straightforward. Pretty, yeah. It's uh, AV's uh, version of the Oscars, but a little bit saucier, right? Sure. Again, you can find all the details on our website at adventuresinvideoland.com. All right, guys. So the two movies we're gonna be talking about tonight inspired Edgar Wright's upcoming movie, Last Night in Soho. Soho was supposed to be uh, it's supposed to come out in 2020, then it got pushed to April 23rd of this year, and then it got pushed again. And now it's coming out, I hope, sometime in October. <laughs> we'll see what happens. But uh, we're not going to let COVID ruin our plans. I wanted to do this versus um, closer to Soho's date. You know, uh, but, yeah, but who knows? Yeah, yeah, we don't know. It could get pushed again. So here we are. But I thought it would be interesting to get into the mind of Edgar Wright before <laughs> going to see Last Night in Soho. You know, maybe help us understand, you know, his vision a little bit better. So, Kyle, are you excited for Last Night in Soho? Dude, Edgar Wright is probably my favorite working director. I mean, I loved Shaun of the Dead. I love the whole Cornetta trilogy. Uh, I like Baby Driver a whole fucking lot. Like, Scott Pilgrim, I think, is fucking completely underrated by a lot of people. Um, And and I'm excited to to see it. I don't know much about this movie, and that's kind of how I want it. I I just want to go fucking watch it. And especially after watching these two movies, I'm even more fucking intrigued to see him delve into this sort of category. Yeah. Uh, it's going to be fucking cool as shit. Yeah, and there's not even a trailer yet for Soho. Yeah, mm-hmm. so, I, I like keeping that mystery. I hope, you, yeah. I hope they fucking keep it that hope way. there's no trailer. Yeah, I sure <laughs> hope there's no trailer. Yeah. yeah. No, I'm super interested in anything Edgar Wright does. Um, I'm kind of hit or miss with Edgar Wright, but I'm always excited when he releases a new movie, but especially a psychological horror movie from Edgar Wright. I mean, yeah. that's breaking new ground for him, so... Excited to see what he comes up with, and I'm actually glad it got pushed to October since it's a, you know, a horror movie. So um, yeah. it makes sense. Um, so I'm excited. And uh, kind of a side note here, um, I also want to add that last night in Soho is the final appearance of Diana Rigg, who was my favorite oh, Bond girl, yeah. and I think she's one of your favorite yeah. Bond girls as well, right? Correct. Uh, she passed away last year, so rest in peace. Uh, but yeah, I'm looking forward to seeing her last role and a new Edgar Wright horror movie. I honestly didn't even know yeah. she was in it, Brad. That's yeah, correct. Yeah, yeah, it's, yeah, it's uh, awesome. Anya Taylor-Joy, right? Correct. Yes, coming, yes. Coming hot off Queen's Gambit. So yeah, like, yeah, yeah, she's amazing, man. Yeah. We uh, did a, um, a versus, or yeah, it was a versus, right, where uh, she was in The Witch. Yeah. Which yeah. versus, uh, no, it was, was, our, was our that a 3 was it a marathon? It was our A24. A24 marathon you put together last year. Yeah. Uh, listen to that podcast it's awesome Nate what do you think um, are you excited for this new Edgar Wright movie absolutely yeah I think I mean I think 
yeah, Anna Taylor Joy as well is quite good. Yeah. Um, Edgar Wright's quite good. Uh, I, I'm like you. I, I one of my favorite working directors for sure. Yeah, I'm absolutely excited about it, especially. Like, I've not seen him do anything like either of these yeah. films, so I'm really interested to see what that even looks like. Yeah, I'm know? still holding out for his Grindhouse uh, movie, Don't. Yeah. Remember that? Don't go no. into the house. It was like, <laughs> yeah, it was like this haunted house, like Grindhouse movie. It was a fake trailer. Uh, Matt, what are you thinking, Matt? Are you excited for Last Night in Soho? Uh, I'm very much excited. Uh, Scott Pilgrim vs. the World is my favorite of his films, but I do like the and appreciate the Cornetto trilogy. I um, also want to point out that also star the film... Last Night in Solo also stars Thomason uh, McKenzie, who is in Leave No Trace and Jojo Rabbit. So mm-hmm. he has a pretty solid film- filmography. It's small, but I mean, she knows how to pick him, just like Anya Taylor Joy's upcoming lineup, also really good. Um, yeah, definitely. Uh, this is, I have to admit, this isn't my genre like it is you guys, but uh, Edgar Wright is a highly, highly consistent director, so I'm pretty much going to see anything he puts out. Yeah, and Anya Taylor-Joy, that's her name, correct? Yeah. She's uh, going to yeah. be the new Furiosa in the yeah. uh, Mad yeah. Max Yeah, look, I like her. I don't know if I... <laughs> I don't know how I feel about this. I, I like. I think she's just kind of, like, big right now, and yeah. she's going to be in everything. People like alien-looking girls. I don't know. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I do think it's weird. Don't you think it's weird? <laughs> they're like... They're like... So, during the A24 marathon, I think, Kyle, you made the point of saying, like, who the fuck names their kid Thomason? And now the actress who played a girl named Thomason is in a movie with an actor named Thomason. How fucked up is that? That's so fucked up. So, Nathan just did a line of cocaine. Just, I just uh, literally fucked up. <laughs> All right, let's talk about the movie scores. Um, I think this is really interesting. Kyle, what movies inspired... Last Night in Soho, and how do they stack up against each other? All right, well, the two movies we are looking at are Repulsion from 1965. It's got a Rotten Tomatoes score of 95%, and it's our high on IMDb of 7.7. Uh, it stars Catherine Deneuve and John Frazier, and it was directed by Roman Polanski, which I'm sure we'll talk about for a couple different reasons. Mm-hmm. Um, and the other film is Don't Look Now from 1973. Rotten Tomatoes score also of 95%, uh, 7.2 on IMDb. Starring Donald Sutherland, Julie Christie, and directed by Nicholas Rogue. Those scores were um, another reason I wanted to do this versus... They're early, very high. Yeah, yeah, early on in the year, I was like, okay, Last Night in Soho uh, came out, or was coming out, and I, I think I just saw an article, and it, it talked about his inspirations. Right. And I was like, okay, I, I have never seen either one of these movies. Mm-hmm. And I was well, like, they're like British staple movies. Like, if you're really? from England, like people are like, no, these these are like the fucking Exorcist and Jaws. Really? in, in England. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Neither one are as good as Exorcist. Right. And Jaws. Well, it's, <laughs> it's their version of <laughs> yeah, like yeah, yeah, these yeah. types of movies, you know. But I've never seen either one of them. And I was like, okay, hmm, that could be interesting. So, what do they score at? And then I looked up the scores, and I'm like, sold. That's it right there. Mm-hmm. Haven't seen them. Um, and they're consistent with the scores, and it sounds like a fun versus. Um, so let's let's do it. So mm-hmm. yeah, what do you think about uh, these scores matching up that close? It's not that I'm saying it surprises me, but yeah, that they're as high as that consistently as high as they are. Tied at 95 for Rotten Tomatoes, real close on IMDb, 91, 96 on Metacritic. Like that's mm-hmm. you gotta. There's gotta be some quality there to be like across all three of them. You know what I mean? To be that high. Yeah, I'm curious to see if you guys' scores reflect. Uh, the t- the tomato score. I have no idea what you guys are gonna think about this. I really don't. Yeah, I these have are no both idea. Like these are both like kind of movies you gotta chew on for yeah, a while. You yeah, know? and like, I've only seen both of these once. You know, Ooh, so mistake. Same. I only watched them both <laughs> yeah, once. Yeah, yeah. I, I yeah I do think they you, they require multiple viewings for sure. I'd like to have had a chance to watch both of them. Yeah, I think, um, I, I, anyway. I've watched I watched them both twice, and they definitely both improved with 
Okay. Like, like we just talked about the A24 marathon. Like, all four of those movies, like, I feel got better with subsequent watches. And these movies are definitely in that same vein. Where the more you watch it, you go, oh, shit. Because, like, how they they end, you're like, okay, this stuff from the beginning makes way more sense now. So, I would suggest watching them a few times. Well, you guys ready just to jump in? I guess. Let's just jump into the pond. Woo! Oh, jeez. Oh, and not drown. Ow. Let's not drown we'll here. Try, okay? not yeah. try not to Try not to drown, uh, sink or swim. Ooh. Kyle, lead us out. <laughs> What's the best <laughs> location in this versus? Well, let's just go with Venice from Don't Look Now. Man, Venice is a fucking gorgeous location. Um, it's got this, like, old feel to it because it's, like, full of castles and all this shit. It's a city on the water, which is fucked up because they go here after their daughter drowns. Mm-hmm. So now they're fucking surrounded by water. They're surrounded by these old buildings. Like, he's there to restore this church, and it's kind of like this, you know, symbolism for them trying to, like, repair their relationship, you know? Like, taking something old and trying to put new shit in it to make it what it was, but it's not... It's never going to be the same fucking thing. It's the, the fucking ship thing from WandaVision, you know? Like what is the real standing lastness of this relationship? What is new? Is it going to work? Uh, fucking Venice is just, just cool. Like they're away from their home. They get forced away. Cause, so he can go do this job. Like, and they're just like isolated in this place. They don't fucking know surrounded by people. They don't fucking know and surrounded by the thing that killed their fucking daughter. And it's yeah. not fuck. That's cool. Yeah. <clears throat> All right, Matt, where are you going? Uh, Venice was very close for me, like the canals. I was thinking specifically, but I ended up going with the Ledoux sisters' apartment in Repulsion. Uh, just everything, the use of illusions, hallucinations in the hallway, the grabbing hands and the cracks in the wall. Uh, the production team did a great use of dark rooms to amplify the horror. The mini room elements that also amplify the tension. The um, from Carol keeping it and getting these telephone calls and then drowning the guy in the bathtub, uh, making that a very creepy location. Just also, mostly importantly, the overall feeling of claustrophobia due to how small the apartment is. Um, and lastly, the representation of Carol's deteriorating, deteriorating state of mind through just how messy the apartment got, the cluttered floor, especially the rotting rabbit, um, the overturned furniture. Uh, just a really good representation of Carol's mind, as well as just a great, um, great place to increase the tension. Just uh, every element in that small apartment. So that's where I'm going with my best location. Did you guys get a COVID vibe at all? Like with her uh, in isolation? Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah, It's hard. Yeah, it's hard not to. I mean, okay. So uh, you're both right. I tied this. Oh, nice. <laughs> uh, I think so, it's a good time. Yeah, Carol's apartment. I'll start with. I'll start with the it's apartment. A good, good time. Good, good time. time. Good I'll time. start with the apartment. So I, I do think. Matt, you hit a lot of the obviously a lot of the things that happen, like the hands coming out of the walls, uh, the the cracks, all that. Like it's great actual like events that happen. I also just think it's interesting that like if you think about like your home, that's a place that's supposed to be like safe. You know what I mean? That's that's your home. But like when it's turned into this, this is it's almost the least, it's the most dangerous place. You know what I mean for her in this predicament? Like she's just you can't. And I think in terms of like the COVID thing, like I think we can relate to a certain extent. We're like. I can't, I can't leave. <laughs> like yeah, I can't yeah. do, I can't leave this place. Like, um, and yeah, it's it's a it's a great place to kind of slowly lose your mind in. You know, in this this a little apartment by yourself. There's nobody to talk to. Uh, you're just kind of going fucking crazy. And like, uh, yeah, I think it's fucking super super good. Venice though is also super fucking good. First of all, it's gorgeous. It's fucking gorgeous. I like a lot of, I mean, obviously the themes in this movie, they work a lot with like, with water and reflections and like, uh, 
uh, what's the what's the word like um, miss um, like thinking something something but it's something misdirection. else misdirection misdirection yeah. yeah like even just looking at Venice like you just get lost like everything it, it, looks the same everything looks the same yeah. and it's just all just like canals and twists and like I can't tell where I am in the city that's and scary that's, isn't it it is yeah. and it's 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 neat and you, you like. It just works so well with the themes they're going with. You know what I mean? Like, with the water, like you said. And, like, yeah, fucking... I can't think of a better place to set that story in. Yeah. I respect the tie, by the way. Respect the tie. Um, I'm going with Venice, though. Uh, if I could make a horror movie tomorrow, it would be in Venice. Oh. I'm sold on Venice. Uh, mm. There's a look to Venice where it can be beautiful and romantic in one mm. scene, but then there's also something about Venice that is it's eerie. Yeah. And it's, it's haunted. You know, it... It looks like it has a lot of secrets. A oh, lot of yeah. secrets. Uh, it seems like you could take a lot of wrong turns in Venice, <laughs> if you know what I mean. Yeah, yeah. Um, and it has to be one of the most photogenic cities um, in the world. Um, yeah. I, I fell in love with Venice. Venice was a big highlight for me um, in this versus. If I could go make a movie tomorrow, mm. I'm making it in Venice. <clears throat> All right, that takes us to best character. I'm sticking with Don't Look Now, and I'm going to go with John Baxter. Uh, such a, like, a, a complicated character because he doesn't let a lot out on the surface, you know? Like, you have to, like, really dig into this character and let the movie progress before his character starts to finally start coming out. Uh, it, this is one of those things on, on second viewing, like, you understand his character so much more in the first <laughs> half of this movie after you've seen the second half. Um, you know, uh, spoilers, obviously, but, like, you know, there's a, a, a moment that happens. She's like, uh, this psychic woman's like, oh, your husband's a psychic too. And you clearly think it's bullshit through yeah. most of the movie yeah. until the end when you find out like, oh no, he actually is a fucking psychic. He just didn't know he was a psychic. Yeah. So all the shit he was saying, he wasn't going crazy. Oh, his weird he was cuts just, and yeah, stuff. He yeah, was just, he was just having visions and he didn't know what to fucking do with it. And that's pretty cool. Um, he does a lot of great shit like with he and, and Julie Christie just acting wise, like... Uh, being these people who are still in love and like, but they're trying to hold on to it because it's clearly slipping away from them. Um, and we'll, I'm sure somebody will bring up the long fucking sex scene and stuff, yeah. but like, just like how that like brings her character to life, and she's like finally starting to come to peace with it. And all it does is send him spiraling down harder because he's fucking thinking about her while he's fucking his wife, like thinking about his daughter dying and stuff. And it's just like, what a fucking tragic goddamn character. And then like, when he finally gets to the end and he's like. I can finally have what I want. I found my fucking daughter. It turns out to be this tiny fucking weird woman with a butcher knife. <laughs> yeah, <I know. laughs> All right, Matt, where are you going? I'm also going with John Baxter in Don't Look Now. Uh, he's just such a multifaceted character. Like Kyle was saying, um, he's he's a, he's repetitive. He has repressed his grief over his daughter's death. Um, and really um, involve himself in his work, so he closes himself off to his wife. Um, he, he is mad at his wife because she's grieving over her daughter and wants their daughter to be alive, but at the same time, uh, he's grieving as well. He's not being open about it, and of course, like Kyle also mentioned, that ends up killing him, so that's like really complicated, interesting, layered stuff. And uh, Donald Sutherland plays all of it beautifully, from the quiet moments to the angry moments, to being uh, freaked out and grieving, and uh, just uh, really, really well-rounded. Uh, he has a great everyman quality as well that you see in like modern actors like Matt yeah. Damon and Tom Hanks. Uh, he was like, I think I feel like kind of like that guy of the era in the '70s, so that worked really well as well. Uh, so that's where I'm going with my best character. 
I really like. I totally see what you. But I really like Carol. I like Carol yeah. so much. Um, I just think she's so complicated and like, you know, it's it's not an, an element that I think I've ever really explored or thought about. Where like it's like the nineteen sixties and it's this like sexual liberation and that like <clears throat> there's a lot of like more freedom and and but then what about what if you're what if what if this character isn't comfortable with that? You know what I mean? Like the idea of being sexually liberated. Because she was, I think she's clearly abused. Yeah. She was clearly uh, raped or something right. at some point in her life, but they you never know, delved that, into it. That like this idea of being uh, romantically, you know what I mean? Like inv- it doesn't even does. It's like it's repulsive. Well, it's repulsive. repulsive you know what yeah. I mean? Um, that's fascinating. I think that's that's really interesting. Or and then she, you know, she's clearly can have any man she wants. She's fucking gorgeous, yeah. but she can't. Like she can't. She can't bring it's it's repulsive to her. Mm-hmm. Um, or she's clearly quite skilled at what she does but she like can't function at work you know she you know like she's i don't know it, it's like it's it's all these opposites you know like i i have the potential but i just i can't yeah. you know and like i don't know i maybe i relate to that or whatever but i mean like it's interesting i find her to be very interesting character yeah i'm right there with you i'm going with repulsion and i'm going with carol we get the impression that, like you mentioned that she was abused by her father maybe uncle somebody Some abused bad. her she's like staring whoever at that, that guy and whoever yeah. that guy is whoever that guy is in that picture um, something bad has happened to Carol in the past and now she has this deep hatred for men she's repulsed by them uh, the smell of men makes her want to vomit yeah. she has hallucinations every night that a man is raping her She's repulsed by the sound of sex. Mm-hmm. Um, and then the men that she interacts with, like you brought up a lot of this, um, treat her as a sex object. Like she's a piece of, like she's a piece of meat. Yeah. Colin breaks down her door because she rejects him. You know, what's interesting, Brad is like in terms of cinematography, like they do a lot of shots without her face in the scene. Like mm-hmm. it's, it's, it's like her face is, is just out of this, out of the frame. So it, it kind of like, even the shot itself kind of, emulates the male gaze you know what i mean and kind of frames her as a thing rather than a person and like it's really interesting like it's it's such a good such a good like uh opportunity to use that yeah uh colin breaks down the door because she rejects him uh the landlord tries to rape her and because does he though I think that's a hallucination. Really? You think, I think so? I I think I I don't think mm. that guy hey, actually can, dies. I Colin Colin for sure. She fucking kills because they find him in the bathtub. Yeah. They never find the other fucking dude in the apartment. Yeah, I, think, there. I hadn't thought about it, but yeah. I think I, she, think I think we, she hallucinated uh, that. shit. Well, someone goes into that living room. I don't think they really explore the living room. Mm. I could see how you yeah, could, the, the, I could see how you could take it's, that away. It's hard. It's hard to tell. I what's think it's real subjective. Yeah. I, I think it happened. I think she killed both of them because she goes spiraling into madness, especially after that last kill, whether it was a hallucination or not, but. But uh, I think that she killed the landlord. Um, yeah, I mean, I was just going to say, you see the overturned couch, so I'm yeah. maybe he's under there. She might have just went into complete ma- madness mode and tore up the whole yeah. you know, living room. But yeah. I'm right there where you are, Matt. I think that she killed the landlord. But uh, regardless, though, becoming this constant sex object, you know, she, it drives her to madness to the point where she starts killing the men that are sexually harassing her. And I think you could interpret this character as uh, as a psycho, okay, just a plain psycho, or you can interpret her as a hero of the Me Too movement. I mean, yeah. And it gets complicated when you know who directed this movie and Certainly. what and what the actress has said about men. I don't know if you guys have read up on that. I'm gonna talk about it a little bit later. Uh, she actually supports the men in the Me Too movement. Um, yeah, I'll talk more about that later when we get to uh, a, a different category. But I think Carol is by far the most interesting and most complex character in this versus. There's a, there's a lot to unpack with Carol. 
I'm yeah, good. I, and I think that's my only problem is there's a lot to unpack and they don't unpack enough for me. I think I, 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 they, they, I think they leave a little too much inside the box on her. If you know that's what I mean. Yeah. Like, yeah. Well, it was. It allows you to play with it in your own way. But and like, I do like yeah. that. I don't think he was even trying to make an inspirational movie here. Did you guys no. read that he was trying to uh, make a commercially successful, successful movie film. so he yes. could go off and make something else? So I don't yeah. even think he was trying to, you know, pack this movie with with a message or you know, obviously this is way before you know Me Too or anything like that. Uh-huh. So um, yeah, I think there's a lot to unpack with her though, and I do I do like thinking about it and. After I've done my awards and while I was doing my awards, this is the movie that has haunted me the most, mm. especially Carol and her perspective on the world. So, all right, that takes us to best kill slash defeat. Uh, not a whole lot in these movies, but like important ones, sure. right? Yeah. Like, um, and I think I, I'm gonna go with John and Laura's daughter dying at the beginning. That's a good because one. I think it's especially for '75. That's a fucking so- shocking scene to see a child. Well, it's a very like, emotional drowning. scene. Oh, it very is very much, and it's yeah. hitting yeah. you right at the beginning. They like do that Zack Snyder slow mo shit where he's like pulling her out of the water, yeah. and like it's it, it obviously drives the antithesis for the entirety yeah. of this movie. So it's incredibly important. Um, like, I had that for a while because yeah. of the emotion, right? Behind and it. it harkens back to. Uh, like uh, what's it? Uh, Shutter Island when he's like pulling his kids out of the oh, water. Yeah, oh, think that's about a that. fucking like gorgeous scene, yeah. and like clearly this had to have inspired mm-hmm. that. Yeah, I didn't even think about that. But me neither. Now that you yeah. say that, yeah, it just makes mm-hmm. sense. All right, where are you going, Matt? Uh, so yeah, definitely. Uh, Christine's death um, was my favorite scene. For my favorite death from uh, from Don't Look Now, not, not necessarily favorite, but I mean most impactful, sure. Uh, but I'm going with Repulsion. And I'm going with Carol killing the landlord with a with a razor blade. It's a quick, efficient, violent kill and just gory enough to get the point across, especially for the 60s. It must have been uh, pretty intense. Um, Well-deserved, apparently, because the landlord seems to try to rape Carol, or at least, or at least he's coming on really strong. Um, oh, oh, yeah, he's definitely... Really shot well as well, just from perspective and editing, so... Yeah, that's where I'm going with uh, with best kill. You're absolutely right. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> Carol hacks her landlord to death with a straight razor. Uh, e- yeah. Easy, easy, man. I, I first of all, I think you always like to see a rapist get cut up, mm-hmm. right? I mean, like it's, <laughs> you always like to see him get hacked up. That's what like, I like to watch on the weekends. <laughs> I mean, you, you love to see it. So, <laughs> um, yeah, I think you know, and I think especially like the with the razor itself, the razor, it, the razor itself being a symbol of masculinity. You know what I mean? Like it's it's what a, what a man uses to shave his beard and whatever. Like, uh, great symbolism. Fuck, fuck him up, dude. He deserved yeah. it. I mean, I, I mean, apparently he was a hallucination, but... Maybe. I don't, <laughs> I don't think so. I, don't I, no, I, I think it really happened. Hey, but yeah. I watched it twice. You did it. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, was saying, I only saw the one time, but I, it seemed real to me. I thought you motherfuckers were going to go the dwarf serial killer. No, that's Not, what you would do. It's, it's dude, it's I fucking hate that scene, uh, by the way. I'll it's talk so, about it later. It's so hilarious, uh, man. It just plays weird. And it's like, why does John lock himself in... Like, he locks the gate... And then oh, yeah. he locks himself in with this, whatever this is, his daughter. I don't care if it's his daughter or if it's, you know, this uh, this dwarf. It's like, why do you lock yourself yeah. in there? That's just so know. fucking weird. Anyway, I'll talk um, about yeah, and then he just lets her slice his neck open. Um, I thought it was laughable. But um, my favorite kill is Colin getting whacked in the oh. head with a candlestick. Also good. Mostly because, and I agree with you, everyone loves seeing a rapist get it, right? This but, dude has no right Yeah, at all. but this <laughs> dude had it coming. Yeah. And not yeah. just... Uh, at the end of the movie, like, the rapist, like, this dude had it coming the entire fucking movie, right? <laughs> like, 
Carol clearly isn't interested. Right. You know, but he thinks no means yes. He's one of those guys, right? Yeah. No means yes. He expects a kiss for uh, driving her home. Maybe something more. I think right. it's more than that. He, like, wants to make out with her in the fucking car. He breaks down her door because yeah. she wouldn't answer the phone. Yeah. Constantly harassing her. her. His friends call her an ice queen. Is that what they called her? I think it was ice queen. A virgin because there's no other reason why she wouldn't want him. Right. No, she's just not interested, dude. Yeah. She's just not interested. So I'm going with the candlestick in the foyer. <laughs> <laughs> that sounds like... It's super cool. <laughs> they, yeah. need a, uh, they need to make a, uh, a clue hashtag me too edition. I'll take the sexual predator in the foyer killed by a candlestick. <laughs> Every time. <laughs> Every time. Every time. All right. Uh, best score or soundtrack? Uh, two very different approaches here. Uh, Don't Look Now has this, like, cool, operatic, like, Italian vibe to it, uh, that scores a lot of the movie, like, slow, like, painful sort that. of music. Ugh. But it fits the movie. It does, movie. but I couldn't stand it. Um, and then Repulsion almost has fucking nothing yeah. in it. Yeah. Uh, it's very, uh, No Country for Old Men in that way, where it's like... I, well, I was like, thinking that. Like, we're not, we're, maybe get you get one song in this fucking movie, I think, at any point. Um, and that's what I'm going to go with, because sometimes, like... Less is more. Sometimes less is more. And with a movie that's, like, so devoid of emotion and, and stuff like that, like, you make it even more cavernous. You just have this, like, white fucking, ho- like, uh, apartment. Like, everything's blank. You're not yeah. giving us sounds. There are just, like... There are, like, multiple minutes of Carol just, like, sitting there doing fucking nothing yeah. at times. Um, which is fucking mind-numbing, but also interesting all at the same time. So, I'm going with the, the lack of music in, yeah. in Repulsion getting the point. Nice calling out No Country for Old Men and Shutter Island. I, I agree with both those. Yeah, uh, Matt, where are you going? Uh, I'm going with Don't Look Now, uh, Pino Donaggio. Um, there's a classical pastoral feel, the main theme. Uh, and I thought it works interestingly. It feels different when you see it over different scenes. Like, it feels romantic during the sex scene, but it also feels mournful when Laura departs from Venice and when you also see John's death scene. So I it was really interesting that it, it was so, like, versatile. Um, there's also other orchestral music that heightens the foreboding or frantic moments of different scenes. And the in-world music that lends romanticism to Venice also worked really well. Like, the, I think it was, like, like violins or something, like uh, street musicians. Uh, so I thought it worked interestingly well for, like, a horror film. Uh, so that's where I'm going with uh, best score soundtrack. All right. I yeah I this was hard this was almost I don't want to give either one of them a point you know what I mean yeah. honestly I liked them both um, I do like them both but they're very forgettable um, in my opinion uh, I ended up going I ended up going with Repulsion and I, because I, I think a lot of it it's the um, it's the silence but when there is music though it's it's whenever she's outside and she's in town she's in London and it or it's, London it's, it's it's very like they have a very like. 60s kind of swinging like happy you know and it, and it just set it helps to set the tone of the, of the location and the time and even but I and I but I like that it's so at odds with who she is you know what I mean because it helps to set that like swinging 60s kind of like mood when she's so like divorced from that you know um and then obviously whenever she's in the house whenever she's in her apartment there's like almost nothing like you said uh, which I think is also super cool so yeah, I good use of of good use and like negative use of, right. of music. Right on. Uh, best score soundtrack. Um, I wasn't a fan of the the sappy melancholy score in Don't Look Now. It was one of those things that just 
it did fit the movie. It's just one of those things that yeah. just it graded on me. Uh, it reminded me of the Incredible Hulk piano music, like, like I posted that today. I know. Like, dun, 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 I can't imagine not liking dun, the Incredible dun, dun, Hulk. Sad but no, it was like the music. whole soundtrack. It was like, <laughs> oh my! That's the whole time I'm watching. Don't look now, and it's it's throughout the entire. It movie. is. I, yeah, I hear. That's. You. I was like, I was watching the Incredible Hulk song, <laughs> like all the way through. <laughs> Um, it was just overkill. Um, so I'm going with Repulsion. Uh, the opening reminded me of something you'd hear in a, a Kira Kurosawa movie. Do you hear like the, I, the, the drum beats? Yeah, you tag me in that post. I agree. Yeah, I, I do like that. Yeah, it's yeah. very simple. It's yeah. so simple. It's almost like um, a scene from an Akira Kurosawa movie that's uh, like setting up an execution scene uh-huh. or something. You know, yeah. I don't know. It's hard to explain, but it, it just sounds I got like that, that steady were... drum beat. Yeah. You know, and it, I love how that movie Repulsion opens. You just see her eye and it has the, mm. uh, the credits going through, and you hear that steady That's drum gorgeous. beat. I, yeah. I love it. Also, for the lack of music, like mm-hmm. you said, Kyle, mm-hmm. uh, very No Country for Old Men. Uh, no Country for Old Men does it better. Uh, but there's uh, some long stretches that go by without any dialogue. You get a faucet dripping, a clock ticking, orgasms from the next room that she's repulsed by. So I think I'll take atmosphere over the melancholy of Don't Look Now. So going repulsion. Uh, that takes us to best screenplay. Uh, I'm going with Don't Look Now, uh, DeMaurier, Scott, and Bryant. There's a whole lot more to this script than I think there is Repulsion. Repulsion is mostly a performance and like a directorial cum shot. It's, it's just like, uh, Don't Look Now has like this, a twist that I like never can think of in like any other movie. Where, like, <laughs> where there's they, a dwarf that stabs the guy in the Exactly! Yeah. I don't remember any, no. Um, but the idea that like, they set up this thing where you're like, oh, this is clearly some sort of red herring. But then it turns out to just not be a red herring. And like, no, the people that you didn't trust with this movie were just being straight up. Like, no, yeah. your husband's a psychic. Like, your I, daughter. I'm talking to your daughter. Like, yeah, all that shit was legit. But like, they play it out to make it seem like, you know, like John is the only person who's sane, and like it's, everyone it's, will it's eventually come around him. They have a lot yeah. of like Hitchcockian kind of elements, and especially especially when he becomes kind of the focus of this murder investigation and that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. It feels very like, okay, like I, I got, yeah. Yeah. I, I just, I think there's a lot more moving parts. Mm-hmm. I think there's a lot more like, uh, written symbolism, I guess, into, into the screenplay than a lot of like the visual symbolisms of, uh, repulsion. See, I think there's more symbolism in repulsion than don't look now, I, but it's coming. That's coming from the lens. I'm talking, the, the symbolism is coming from the page and don't look now. We're talking about. I totally agree with you. I think a lot of. I think I do agree that there's a there's just as much maybe symbolism. It's just more of it's maybe performative, right? I think the the Hitchcock style when we're talking about like screen. I think the Hitchcock style comes more through the lens for Don't Look Now than on the page. In my opinion. Oh, sir, I can see some shots for sure. Yeah, Yeah, like I got a better twist for you. I see dead people. (laughs) All right, that's a better twist than fucking this chicken. Sure, but I'm not saying... I'm not talking about the Uh, raincoat. I'm talking about the the conceit that John actually is psychic. I think think that's great. When you see, like, the funeral boat drive by and he's, like, yelling at him, like... Yeah. Like, that's something that he's just fucking imagining in his mind. Like, he's getting well, he's, a psychic vision of his, his own. It's yeah. his own funeral. He's watching his own funeral. Like, that's fucking cool. Yeah. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's, that's so cool, but he just doesn't understand that's his funeral. He thinks his wife's just fucking ignoring him on that boat. Right. Where you going, Matt? I'm also going Don't Look Now, Alan Scott and Chris Bryant. I felt that there's a good use of tension throughout. I mean, the first half of the movie is a really slow burn. We still get hints that... Um, there's something going on because of the psychic old lady and um, John's still seeing the woman in the red coat, red raincoat, so there's a little bit of mystery there. Um, of course, the 
tension between John and his wife. Uh, just really good uh, character development throughout the film. And then you kick into the second half of the film where it's focusing uh, more on John, which is interesting how the film is also split. First half is more of uh, Laura's perspective. Second half is John. So you get both evenly and how they react to Christine's death. Um, and overall, it's just a compelling portrayal of uh, how a husband and wife grieve differently and the danger of suppressing grief. I mean, if you want to, you can read, um, you know, gender into that, how yeah. a man grieves differently than a woman as well. Um, so, yeah, that's where I'm going with, with my best screenplay. Okay. Nate? Yeah, I agree. Overall, I think, um, I think it, like, there's a lot more symbolism on the page. In, uh, and there's a lot of there's a lot of layers that don't look now. I think you know what I mean in the, the sense that they like because they flash in so many scenes from before and from after and like it's it's maybe disorienting in the moment if, if you, when you when you haven't sort of like figured it out yet. Mm-hmm. But then but it's I appreciate See, I need to the watch layers. It a second. I, need, like, I do that, need to watch it a second time. But I tell you yeah. why. And I know this movie is um, there's a, there's a lot of praise for the editing. I didn't yeah. care for the editing the first time around. Like it just took me out of the movie. It, 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 did, it did for me too. The second time though. That's when I was. That's when I really started to appreciate yeah. it because of what it's doing to you as a viewer. Yeah. Like it, it, you should watch both of these twice, but don't look now even more so. I think makes more sense the second time through. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna argue if you if you go repulsion, but I mean, like yeah. I, I personally, I think don't look now has a lot has a lot going for it in terms of screenplay. Whereas I think a lot of repulsion is, like Kyle said, it's performative and it's directorial, and there's a lot of things that you can make out of what's there yeah. but like there's a lot more meat on the bones in, in Don't Look Now see for me um, Don't Look Now is about a family who loses their daughter she drowns and then the husband gets killed by a dwarf in a raincoat <laughs> I mean you're not it's like, hilarious you're not wrong <laughs> best, <laughs> best comedy goes to and he thinks it's his daughter and he locks himself in with his uh, <laughs> this dwarf in a raincoat. But, uh... <laughs> that's what he said. Oh, Repulsion's about a girl who sits in her apartment and then kills two See, guys. See, I don't know, Or man. maybe kills I, uh... one guy and doesn't kill another. You're breaking it down, like, way too I, simply. No, I was. I was making fun of it. Because it's <laughs> hilarious to me. <laughs> but, as you can tell, I'm not a huge fan of Don't Look Now on first viewing. Um, it has its moments. Repulsion, man, I, there's something about it. It wasn't on purpose, and I realized that with Roman Polanski... But there's something about, like, Carol's repulsion towards sex and, and men drive her to, to madness and to murder. That is, I've never seen that before. Mm-hmm. I've never seen I anything like unique. that. I think yeah. it is unique. And I think there's a lot to unpack there if you want. And I think a lot of that is, you know, uh, especially through, you know, our current worldview. But I think that's so interesting. I've never experienced a movie like this where it's, it's a commentary on harassment and how it can completely wreck your life. Like, I've never thought about another woman's pers- perspective like this. Right. Like I have with, with Repulsion. Yeah. And so that's what I pulled from it. And I'm seriously, I don't. I didn't want to make this whole conversation, or at least from my point of view, I didn't want to make this entire conversation about the Me Too movement with Repulsion, but it's something that really stuck out for me in this versus. And, and with the COVID vibes of isolation, you know, within Repulsion, I thought it was... I don't know. It really struck me, and mm-hmm. uh, it had me thinking uh, this this entire last week here. Just um, the perspective of Carol and uh, how harassment can just completely wreck your life. Yeah. So I'm going with repulsion. Um, that takes us to best achievement. Uh, I'm going with uh, in repulsion when Carol's like having her biggest breakdown towards the end. 
Um, there's just some fucking yeah. incredible shots going on, like when she's laying in bed and the ceiling just fucking oh, slowly yeah. caves down on her. Like she's running down the hallway, you see the hands. That's one of the best uses of like hands yeah. coming out of walls I've ever fucking yeah. seen. That has to be yeah. one of the earliest fucking uses. No, of I was it thinking too. about that because um, you know, there's things coming out of a wall and start making you. Yeah, and I started thinking about like Nightmare on Elm Street. Yeah, and face. it's not it's not like your huh. typical horror movie where like hands are like reaching for you. Yeah, stuff. like they're like caressing her as she yeah. walks by. Yeah. They're like stroking her hair. And obviously, and, like, male hands. Right? I think yeah, all those yeah. look pretty pretty. Mel so it's like it's like even creepier like it's it's just my a fucking only, cool usage of I, I agree the only thing is just like because at that point in the film I, had, I was like okay that's that, that's what this movie's about and then it got to that point and it was like we're really like being on the nose about this now you know what I mean and it just felt like okay like I, I like this I absolutely like the scene but it just felt a little bit heavy-handed at that yeah. point, where it's like, I've, I've, yeah, yep, I get it. <laughs> like, no, okay. and, I, and I felt like that, too, uh, with both these movies, actually. There was a... I was an hour into Repulsion. Yeah. And I was like, and nothing man, has nothing, nothing <laughs> like, has happened. They showed me a shot of a rabbit decaying a little yeah, bit. No. <laughs> yeah, no. Like, what's going on? The, what yeah, the there, was, there was nothing going on. And then, you know, I started thinking about the actions of uh, Colin, you know, and, and mm-hmm. some of the uh, the actions of the uh, the guy who was uh, dating uh, her, her sister. Mm-hmm. And so a lot of that stuff, it's still not the most, you know, entertaining movie you're ever going to watch. Right. But I was an hour in, yeah. and I was just like... Whew, man, I got an hour left. Yeah, you know, Dude, I, so. same way. And don't look now. Yeah, it was, it was like we were an hour. I was an hour in, and I I looked at. It, I was like, man, it's got to be like getting to the end, right? Yeah, there's like 55 minutes left, and I was like, I watched that movie man, first. Holy shit! I watched that movie first. I think I was playing with my dick once. I, I was sort of fidgeting with my dick once. When the kid died, that's weird. No, that was oh. like it was in the middle. For the there. dwarf, I think it was when they were having sex. <laughs> oh shit! But then it cuts to the. Hey, but the that's dead. a good like 20 minute jerk off. Yeah, 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 it starts. Well, <laughs> you start when the sex scene starts and end when it ends. It is, but then it intercuts to the dead child right. again, yeah. and then so you're like, oh, uh, and you're like, oh. yeah, <laughs> came in the wrong oh, there time. Yeah. All right, uh, where are we at? Uh, best special achievement, Matt. Yeah, thank you. Okay, so I'm going simple. Uh, don't look now. Cinematography by Anthony Richmond. Especially great use of the shadows and the alleyways, and there are a lot of a lot of shots like that uh, at night. Um, really effective in heightening the tension that uh, John's feeling. Um, contrasted with the well-lit daylight time scenes that lull John and Laura into a sense of security. I mean. I imagine it's pretty tough to make Venice look bad, but uh, the cinematographer does a really good job of making it look good. And then there's also the really good uh, camera movement, POV shots, a little bit of shaky cam, but I didn't mind it so much. Um, all combining just to really make um, interesting, effective look to this horror film. All right. Uh, yeah, dude, uh, I'm going to read exactly what I wrote, okay? Uh <laughs> For a film that was written and directed by a serial child rapist, (laughs) Repulsion is remarkably aware of, like, the lifelong consequences of sexual abuse and harassment and appears to be quite critical of men's fascination with sex. You know... For, I mean, for a child rapist, it's pretty, it's pretty good, actually. Like, <laughs> Takes like, one to know one, I guess. I, yeah, I guess. It's, it, you know, I, I wouldn't have thought that. Yeah. You know, like, I wouldn't have I'll, thought that that came out of him, but I'll okay. Be, I'll be, <laughs> I'll be you know? bringing that up later. I'll be bringing that oh, up Oh, definitely. Later. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we got a whole category yep. that was meant just for that. Yep. <laughs> we did. <laughs> Yeah, I'm going with uh, cinematography. <laughs> That's where I'm going. Nathan's like, let me get this child rape thing in real yeah, quick. Thank you. <laughs> no, but I'm going cinematography. And I, I don't think I've... I'm always trying to find that cool achievement, you know? Yeah. And so I never go cinematography, but this time I'm going, uh, just like you, Matt, I'm going simple. 
going cinematography. And uh, again, I'm not a big fan of Don't Look Now, but I'm, I am a big fan of how it's shot. Oh, um, like, yeah. I think Venice looks amazing. And I'm wondering if that's an inspiration for Edgar Wright's Last Night in Soho. I hope so. I, I hope it, yeah, it's more of a setting thing. It was like, with the Anya Taylor-Joy, she looks a lot like um, uh, fucking uh, Delanue. What's, yeah, and so, yeah. Like, yeah. And I, I hope that's... Break in real quick. Uh, did any of you follow Edgar Wright's Instagram feed? Uh, how he posts a lot of photos from around London? No. Uh-uh. Yeah, he, they're like... It's, uh, he's a pretty good photographer as well, so he has a good eye for uh, the cityscape, so I'm sure it's going to look pretty damn good. Uh, I'm already disappointed, though, because I want Last Night in Soho to be in Venice, <laughs> which, would, <laughs> which would not think, make any sense. I think they're going to be in Soho, though. <laughs> I think so. I think so. Yeah. What if they start in Venice and their last night right, it's is like in Soho? Right, Miami connection things, right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly, right? But uh, no, I, I love the cinematography here. Um, I, I love how color is used. Uh, red and green mm-hmm. is in almost every shot. Uh, the color red oh, is yeah. constantly highlighted. Very, very important. It calls back to the their daughter's red raincoat. Um, and I think mm-hmm. Anthony Richman, is that his name, the cinematographer? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think he won a few awards for best cinematography. So yeah, I'm going Don't yeah, Look Now. Going right. simple, but I really did like how um, Don't Look Now is shot. Best scene. Uh, I went with... Yeah, I just mentioned it, but like Carol's final like breakdown, uh, just just double dipping, huh? Most of the way, yeah. I think it's. I mean, it's incredibly impressively shot. Um, it really like hammers home. Like I said, it is probably a little over heavy handed, you know, towards the end because we've been just doing nothing but that the last like twenty minutes before mm-hmm. we get to that. Like, if he'd spaced it out a little bit better, it probably would have been even more impactful. But like, he shoots the fuck out of the end of that movie. Yeah, like, yeah, it's just like really fucking. It starts. It's such a slow burn. And then it just fucking rolls downhill really goddamn fast towards the end. And and a lot of it comes down to the cinematography. And it's that, that scene where she's like really starting to fucking lose it before she kills Colin. What'd you make of the scene? Um, it's it's in that madness um, mm-hmm. section there. But it's uh, where she puts on lipstick and she's getting all pretty, it seems like. And then yeah. it's after she kills the, the second person or hallucinates, whichever we're going with. Um, and then she just lays in bed with lipstick on. She has a mm-hmm. smile on her face. And then she gets raped again. I, th- I think she's gotten her like revenge on men like it's 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 giving her some sort of release to like kill mm. these fucking guys and like take back some of her womanhood i guess and then she gets raped mm. right after that by a hallucination right yeah yeah it yeah. just i was wondering what you guys took from that that was an interesting scene yeah, like yeah i remember trying to kind of parse it a bit. there's a lot going on at that point in the movie yeah. you know what i mean so I, I guess like yes i did think about it but there was just so much more to think about at the time I only, again i only saw it once yeah so yeah it's something to think about but i, I agree it's probably like at that point, she's sort of reclaiming a bit of her femininity, I would imagine. I think that's what they're going with it, but yeah. Yeah. Anyway, all right, Matt, um, best scene. I am going with a Don't Look Now in the church accident. Um, oh, cool. that's cool. Shit, yeah. it, it kind of fit, encapsulates uh, the movie in a whole, in a way. I mean, it starts off with uh, the priest talking to some other uh, religious people. He's Talks, then uh, the priest talks to John, and John's telling him about how his wife's been uh, rather ill or just not feeling well because for their Christine died. And then, of course, now their son's got in an accident. And you get the ominous feel um, when, the, when the priest says, you should have gone with her. Mm-hmm. Um, and the camera work a little bit is a, a little bit of foreshadowing when he goes mm-hmm. up the ladder uh, to the platform there's a low angle shot a little bit of shaky cam but then it goes st- 
Brazil for a very long time. He's working on the mosaic, restoring the church. Um, very subtle underscore music, not much camera movement or any other sound at all. And that even leads up to when you see the beam start to fall, which makes it even creepier, I think. Because you just kind of, you see it fall, cuts away, cuts it again. And then when it hits, like everything goes chaotic, uh, clattering, um, clattering metal, um, a lot of voices um, chattering, uh, everyone's running around, the camera spins around to reflect the spinning platform. Uh, John's moaning is just like completely chaotic and I think all the elements work really well um, just to convey that, the editing as well um, and then it doesn't stop until they finally grab him and then everything's still again and he walks out but uh, yeah and I, I think also just the placement of the scene how it's at the midpoint, pretty much the exact midpoint where it goes from the first half being rather subdued tension to that scene kicking off uh, the amped up tension through the rest of the movie. So that's why I'm giving it best scene. Uh, works well on its own and it works well in the context of the larger film. Yeah, and it's that first like <laughs> close call that John has after they first go, your, your husband's going to die here if he doesn't yeah. leave. Basically. Yeah. And that's yeah. the first time that like, oh shit, something bad's going to happen to him. As, as I recall yeah. too, he looks up at the mosaic and there's like, it's kind of, it's because the mosaic is kind of worn away, but it's that same shape on the mosaic that, like, in the beginning, there's the picture, and then there's, like, that, like, weird blood splotch that kind of mm-hmm. goes... It's, like, the same... Sh- oh, yeah. I thought that was really good. Matt, you almost made me want to change my fucking answer. <laughs> that's a really that's a really fucking good one. Um, yeah, do it! Do it! And to top it off, it. they brought a stuntman in to film that scene, and he was like, fuck no, I ain't doing that, so I, Donald Sutherland did it himself. I was gonna say, I'm pretty sure Donald Sutherland did that <laughs> yeah, fucking shot. You know what? Yeah, I agree. <laughs> I'm gonna change it. I had John and Laura's sex scene... Unironically, no, 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 change that. No, no, unironically, I, I think it's a very frank. I think it's a frankly, yeah. Listen, no, I like the scene. <laughs> no, fuck and, it, I'm going back. No, because I think, I think it's a very honest and very frank look at like uh, sex, like yeah. you know, and like, they, they, but it's. I, when, listen, when they, listen, they no. Intercut it with them like getting dressed, getting dressed, and, like, and having she's happy and, and like yeah. she's like starting to come to peace at it, and he's just more worried than he was. When keep he it, one of the, keep listen, it. it's one of the few times I think there's like a sex scene in the film that I think is like actually necessary. Oh, I, think, I, I think it's know. important. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but no, I, Matt's right. So I'm gonna, <laughs> I'm gonna. Ch- I don't know if you have a pen. Uh, anyway, I'm changing it. Matt's right. Go okay. ahead, your turn. Right. <laughs> uh, I'm not gonna spend a whole lot of time on this because. Um, Kyle, you've already brought it up twice. Um, it's the madness scene. At least that's what mm-hmm. it's called on YouTube if you Google it. But it's repulsion. Um, yeah, it's where she puts on the lipstick and, you know, she's laying in bed. She gets raped by an hallucination. She goes out into the uh, the hallway. All the, the hands come out. Man, it's just a, a great uh, breakdown of madness. You know, um, great, great scene. Um, that's where I'm going. That takes us to defining moment. All right. Now let me finish talking about this before you start yelling at me, Brad. <laughs> Sexy? No, creepy old lady. Okay, <laughs> creepy old dwarf lady. Um, but it's because, and this is, I had never seen either of these movies before we had done this. I've heard about both of them, but never really watched them. But I always remembered the ending to Don't Look Now because I remember when I was like, I don't know, probably in high school. Bravo's 100 scariest movie scenes of all time, and this was like number 21, and this was the one that always wow. like stuck out to me because it's just like. I, I don't know anything about this movie. It's just a creepy fucking dwarf lady turning around and hacking him in the neck. And I was like, that stuck with me for all these years. <laughs> wow. And I don't know why, but like, I was like waiting for that moment. And like, in the movie, it's kind of like, oh, what? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but like, out of out of place, that's a fucking yeah. weird, like scary goddamn scene. Like, if it's yeah. not in the context of this movie, you're like, oh, that's really fucked up. And it like, 
traumatized me, and like I always remembered it, and it was part of the reason I was like, I never want to watch this because that seems like it's too kind of fucked up. Yeah. <laughs> but it ends up like no, that that is like the easiest scene to swallow in this yeah. whole fucking movie. You know, I, that that ending is just plays so weird to me. But with that to the side, um, while I was watching the movie. I was Googling something for Don't Look Now, and I've never seen Don't Look Now, and I was Googling something, and and it was either Google popped up or I Googled IMDb, and the actors and actresses, the pictures, you know, showed up, and it showed (laughs) the old fucking lady with the red, yeah, and I'm like, so I didn't know it was a dwarf, because it was like a tight, you know, close-up of her face, but... You know, I was like, I, I knew something. But was, you knew this. I was knew not something right. was coming, and then so when he started chasing that uh, that that person with the red coat into yeah. fucking wherever you know they went, I was like, okay, that's that's gonna be this old looking mm. lady. So kind of, it's like, why do you do that on on yeah, IMDb yeah, or that Google Pics? That's that really sucks. Uh, Matt, where are you going? Uh, I'm gonna piggyback off of Kyle's answer a little bit, but I'm kind of gonna call this defining attribute because not only the old woman killer in the raincoat. I'm pretty sure they imply that she's been killing the people around Venice as well. Yeah, that's the idea. Uh, she doesn't kill just oh, John. She's yeah, there's like, like a, a subplot in this movie of murder. murder. Mm-hmm. Uh, but also just the very ending when you see the, um, Heather, Wendy, and Laura on the funeral boat and you realize that's what John saw <laughs> when um, he saw that Laura on the river and he got freaked out by that. So really... Ultimately, John's grief kills him in a couple of ways. Um, getting worried for Laura when really that's his own death. And then, you know, obsessing over his Christine's death to the point that he chases over after someone who looks like Christine. And that person ends up killing him. So it's a pretty interesting uh, twist ending. Probably one of the earlier ones. I mean, yeah, like Sixth Sense is probably better, but this was like well before that. Um, and yeah, that's where I'm going with uh, I guess defining attribute, just because it made the biggest impact uh, when watching that film, and probably across both films. All right, Nate, defining moment or attribute? <clears throat> yeah, so defining moment for me, um, I guess the thing that sticks out, and I guess there's not a lot to talk about, right? It's actually a tie, um, and it's just no happy endings. Um, oh yeah, you know, I mean, the, both of these films end on a very like down note. Yeah. You know, what I mean, there's no like. Re- even like resolution really you know what I mean like it's like okay well Carol's catatonic and I have no idea what's gonna happen with her like if, if she's gonna be blamed for you know what I mean like I have no idea I guess it's a happy her. ending if you're the sister's boyfriend <laughs> cause he gets to carry her out no cause uh, they, they have the whole pad to themselves now oh I suppose <laughs> yeah because he didn't get killed by her <laughs> yes. well he's yeah but he's I mean he's married that's the lady yeah, calling yeah, yeah. Uh, so yeah no, yeah, I just both both films yeah, no, end with like very like okay, well it's yeah. very Empire Strikes Back ending. Yeah, you know yeah, what I mean? Yeah, like yeah. okay, well, all right, cool. Um, but yeah, that's yeah. Neither film has any like real resolution. They just kind of like they just wrap up. It's not you know what I mean. It's not like you, you haven't like I don't mean that in a bad way. It just it just it just leaves you feeling like well shit. Okay, <laughs> you know that's that's that. <laughs> yeah. All right, uh, this is my only tie. Ooh, only tie. Oh. I don't think I've ever done that because I'm, I'm always. Uh, I have the thought that if you're going to use one, sure, you might as well use two ties because it takes your best uh, picture down to you know right, right. one point. Um, but yeah, I didn't really feel like uh, tying anything else. Uh, so this is my only tie. Uh, my defining moment, or actually, I'm going to say defining attribute. Um, two things. 
that stick out with me the most is number one location. And I brought this up a couple times. Um, after watching Don't Look Now, man, I want to make a horror movie in Venice. I've said that mm-hmm. multiple times. Um, I love the location and two, the unique perspective of Carol that mm-hmm. makes Repulsion, I think, an essential <clears throat> Me Too horror movie. Um, if I'm making a horror movie tomorrow, I'm pulling location and perspective and I'm a going to apply them to my movie. I'm making a Me Too horror movie in Venice. That's what okay. I'm doing. Okay. I'm just like... Yes. I'm going to... Yeah, I'm going to sandwich those together. together. Yeah. yeah. And that's what I hope uh, last night in Soho is. I would right. love to see something like that. That'd be the great. only thing but I'm concerned about last it's night in Soho... It's not going to be in Venice. It's going to be in Soho. Is, uh, it's just Anna, Anna Taylor-Joy. And I think she's fine. But I think the one thing that she does really well is just kind of stare blankly at the camera. You know what I mean? And that's like, I don't know. I've just I've already seen Carol do it. You know what I mean? And I, I just... I don't know. I don't know. I just, I don't need to see her just staring blankly at a camera. Yeah. I don't, I don't know. Go ahead. Right, yeah, just anyway. that, that's it. Yeah, going with um, Repulsion and with Don't Look Now. So, best director. This is a tough one because both of these movies are fucking shot amazingly. Mm-hmm. I think there's a lot fucking going for both of these. I'm, I'm giving the edge to Don't Look Now because I think it's more consistent from beginning to end. I think watching these a second time, like, both of these have really slow first halves, yeah. you know, but, like, on second viewing, Don't Look Now's first half is a lot faster the second time you watch it. <clears throat> Repulsion doesn't get much faster. Like, it, the movie's better the second time, but that first half is still kind of a, a slog. Um, I think there's a lot of, like, interesting, cool shit that Nicholas Rogue is doing in Don't Look Now. Um, I think the only thing I, I dislike is there's a lot of, like, deep, like, quick, like, fucking uh, zooms onto people's faces that he does one too many times, I think. Um, but other than that, it's, like, like you said, he shoots the fuck out of Venice. Like, mm. they tell this, like, very layered, deep story <laughs> that, like, you're confused about through most of the movie. And then, like, one of those things, you watch it through the second time and you're like, oh, that shit that I thought was weird makes way more sense. And this makes more sense. And that makes more sense. And, it, like, it, that's just, that takes a lot of technique. And that reminds me a lot of Edgar Wright. Edgar Wright makes those kind of movies where, like, you go back and you watch them a second time. True. And you're like, oh, yeah. there's that. And there's that. So, like... Of these two directors, I think Nicholas Rogue like has a more of a grasp on the style that Edgar Wright has too. So Matt, where are you going? I'm also going with Nicholas Rogue for Don't Look Now. I think in addition to really good use of cinematography and music and sound and everything going to working all together, I think he delivers much better performances from all of his actors. I mean, um you know, Donald Sutherland, Julie Christie, even some of the smaller supporting actors. Whereas I felt with uh, Roman Plansky in terms of performances, there was really mostly one woman in the show with uh, Catherine Deneuve. Um, also, just, yeah, it's a lot more cohesive uh, for, from beginning to end in terms of style and in terms of building that tension and um, just uh, presenting, like, an overall vision. Interesting use of editing, like everyone else has been mentioning it as well. Um, use of symbolic colors, um, and like I said, mentioned earlier before, just the effective use of the repeating score, which worked for me. Uh, yeah, I think overall it's much, also much a better film, and we're not going to write in the picture right now, but he did direct it, so um, that's where I'm going with Best Director. Alright, Nate? Uh, I actually agree. Uh, Nicholas Rogue, I think he did a lot, I mean, for all the, you guys both hit a lot of the points I wanted to make, but... Um, also just in terms of casting, I mean, I know that like, uh, initially they wanted to cast, there was like a real life couple for John and Laura, uh, but he just, you know what I mean? He was like, no, it's gotta be, gotta be these two. And I, I think their chemistry is fucking great. Um, I think he's got a firm understanding of the characters. I know there's a scene, uh, it's the last scene actually where, where, uh, Laura's on the funeral barge with the sisters. And initially I think it's written 
that like she has her veil down and she's like just kind of stoic. Uh, but in the final shot, you know, he, Nicholas had convinced her to like, you know, almost give like a little a smile, and it was it because it was like, she even though this is a terrible thing, like she like she knows that like John and their daughter are like together. You know what I mean? Like she she knows that to be true. So like it's kind of a hopeful kind of element to it, and I think that that's super cool. Like you got to have a firm understanding of the characters and be able to get more out of your actors because of it and stuff. I think that's cool. I think the way that Roman Polanski weaved the Me Too narrative. <laughs> God damn it, Brad. <laughs> yeah, no. yeah. I'm going with Nicholas Rogue for Don't Look Now. <laughs> um, he's a cinematographer turned director, so you know he worked hand in hand yeah. with yeah. Um, Anthony uh, Richmond, the cinematographer you know, for Don't Look Now. And uh, like I said earlier, I've said this probably five times, I love how Venice is shot. It's this haunted uh, dreamscape, and he is channeling Hitch. You know, very much. So. Yeah, it's no psycho, okay, to me. It's no psycho, but I get Hitch vibes, and that's impressive. Uh, but not only the Will that, Smith movie Hitch. No, not Just that. Like, yeah, oh, no. <laughs> I get Hitchcock vibes. Oh, gotcha. Yeah, but not only that, man. I was reading that uh, Nicholas decided not to use tourist locations. Because he didn't want that travel documentary look, yep, right? Um, I think he doesn't he, choose the prettiest places. Yeah, in no, we uh, we go right. to some pretty uh, ugly, dark, shady areas. Yeah, I'm like, I don't want a vacation there. You know, mm-hmm. like I think they they take a they walk onto a tourist path and then they get lost like behind mm-hmm. and then mm-hmm. they come back as like, oh, that looks like some scary shit. That's only a block over, right? In yeah, the movie. yeah, yeah, you, you know the scene I'm talking about <laughs> where they're drunk. Yeah, 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 yeah. And so I, I just think uh, he framed Venice perfectly and. Uh, Mainly because Venice is not, you know, an easy uh, place to shoot a movie. The water and the tides, and uh, I guess they caused a bunch of problems, mostly with uh, mm-hmm. continuity. Like, you'd get your shot, and then you'd have to, like, match the tides again. And so just with research, um, it, it seems like Nicholas Rogue really put in the work, um, you know, making his movie. So And then transporting crew and equipment, yeah. you know. I, I was just reading a bunch of stuff. that mm-hmm. It looked like he put in the work, so I'm going with, um, with Don't Look Now. That takes us to Wild Card. All right. Um, so both of these movies have really intense but very different sex scenes. Okay, uh, yes. <laughs> and I went with like Continue. most like impactful sex scene. Right. Um, obviously, you have like the very long like carnal is it real is it not real sex scene between Donald Sutherland and Julie Christie, and then you have that like just petrifying rape at the end of Repulsion. Like and I went I went with repulsion because I think it's just a little more impactful, uh, especially when the next category gets brought up. I'll probably bring it up again, um, but it's 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 visceral and it's just like it's like really hard to fucking watch that scene. It, it is, and I think what's really upsetting or what it, what's the most kind of impactful about it is that like she, like her audio's cut, so like yeah, it's, it's like it's, she's screaming but nobody can hear. Yeah, you know what I mean. Yeah, like the whole thing is like really just unnerving. Yeah, um, and it's just—it's like it's—it's it's not like that visually graphic, but it feels oh, yeah. like it's incredibly it, graphic. Like for sure. it's just so heavily like implied that you feel like you're watching something worse than what you're actually watching. Yeah. Matt. Uh, so for my wild card, I am bringing back best supporting actor or actress. I'm going with Don't Look Now and Hillary Mason as Heather, the blind psychic. I think she does a really great use of both her voice and her body language. There's a distant quality to her movements and her voice where uh, you can't tell if she's senile or or if it's just because she's old or if she's really psychic. So it's, it walks a fine line, but I think she does it really well. So you can buy that John thinks she might be a kook or that Laura thinks she's like the genuine deal. 
And uh, just the actress really commits to the role. She has a good charisma. She sells it. Um, so you can buy that she's a very important character, very trustworthy. Uh, just left a really big impression with me, so that's why I had to go that way with my wild card. What's up with that one scene where the two sisters are doing like that maniacal laugh, and you think mm-hmm. that they're evil witches or something, and then they never yeah, pay that so off? Weird. I mean, the yes, like, <laughs> like, yeah. she goes into her trance and she's like grabbing her breasts and yeah. it. Kind of, it didn't completely work for me. Well, not uh, yeah, but. I'm not even talking yeah. about that. I'm talking about, I think it was when, I think it was John, uh, John, right? Is that his name? Yeah. I think it's when John walks by and he hears them laughing. Or it might not even be that. I think, I it's, think it's one of his psychic things. It's one of those oh, things okay. that he's, he's seeing something that's not I actually see there. That. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Uh, I'm also bringing back an old category. I'm going to do best on-screen duo. And uh, I went with John, John and Laura from Don't Look Now. I think that's they have solid. great, I think they yeah. have great chemistry. Um, you know, I believe their relationship. And I think it. It's hard to play. I imagine I'm not an actor. Uh, I to to play these characters who like are in love, but they're they're dealing with like terrible grief and tragedy, and that's straining their relationship. But they're both hopeful, and they have different. But they have different views on how to go forward, and like I I see that in their yeah. performance. I think that's really that's really interesting. They do a great job. I like how they both cope. They, they both, both cope, cope in different, different ways. ways. Yeah. yeah. All right, I'm going with Don't Look Now, and I'm calling this the longest sex scene award. <laughs> All right, it's it's one of the longest sex scenes I've ever seen since we've been doing versus a marathon. I've seen porn with a lot less longer <laughs> sex scenes. Yeah, dude, and if you think about it, we've done some pretty lowbrow shit. Oh yeah. All right, oh, cousin Wayne's rotten Halloween. Don't even have sex scenes like this. Yeah, yeah. Okay, you think you, you think it would? Um, it's yeah. tasteful. <laughs> yeah, it, I think it's tasteful. It's tasteful. It is, yeah. It's tasteful. But supposedly, too, this was just funny to me. They didn't fuck. You know, like people have asked. I them, don't know. I don't yeah, think I, not. I think they fucked. Not, like there are some weird angles they're in there where it's like you can't put anything and nothing yeah. in that position. I don't know. They. I think they filmed this like four or five hours early in the morning until like fucking noon. And I, I think, think they had to like fuck for a long time. Dude, I think he got his penis in there somewhere. <laughs> it's all I mean, I'm it'd be saying. hard not to. Right? Yeah. <laughs> Do you think they fucked Matt? Uh, well, I brought up my comment earlier that it really didn't matter just because, I mean, like, if any two, like, if that happened in real life and, um, you said, oh, honey, oh, honey I just, uh, got naked and, like, simulated sex on this. <laughs> that's like, called a lap dance. Right? I mean, it's, that's what I meant by it's still pretty much sex, so it doesn't really matter. Um, I was looking in Wikipedia and there are conflicting accounts, like, one person on set said, oh, yeah, I saw them having sex. Another person said, oh, no, this didn't happen. So it could go either way. Really. Yeah. I mean, since yeah. I wasn't there, I can't really say definitively. What? <laughs> I, I, I mean, I think you make a good point, right? I mean, like, whether yeah. your penis went all the way in or not, like, if your <laughs> vagina's rubbing all over my dick for, like, hours yeah. shooting the scene, you might as well just say yeah. we fucked. Yeah. Like, you might, you you might as well just you say might we well fucked. <laughs> it was a long sex scene. A lot of shit was going on there, but I think they fucked. Um, but yeah, honestly, I think this scene is completely out of place. Completely. I know you disagree with me, Nate. Oh, I definitely disagree, too. Yeah, okay. I, yeah, I think it's fucking weird how it edit, like, the editing of it. Um, and then, I, I and really then before like it. that, it, they completely take me out of it when Laura eats toothpaste off of his fucking face. <laughs> it's so weird. But when you go balls out for a literally. scene. Yeah, literally. <laughs> when you go balls out for a scene like this. I'm going to give you some love. I'm going to throw, throw you a boner, yeah. all right? So <laughs> go, and, go and don't look now. All right, that takes us to what the fuck. I mean, 
Roman Polanski uh, groomed, yeah. drugged, and raped a 13-year-old girl, and then, you know, 20 years before that, made one of the most poignant movies about rape and just, like, male culture yep. being, like, disgusting and putting women into this fucking, this box and making them who they are and making them feel like they fucking feel yeah. like, like, it, you know, we can watch, we watch, you know, Toy Story and like John Laster had all these things about him. Like it didn't take me out of Toy Story. We can watch, you know, any fucking Miramax movie, like, and as fucking yeah. terrible as Harvey Weinstein is, like it doesn't take me out of those movies. This movie, I was definitely taken out a few times just because I knew Roman Polanski yeah. directed it. And it made like, like I just talked about that rape scene. Like I think it's even more visceral because I know Roman Polanski shot that fucking scene. Mm. And it just makes it feel even more disgusting and gross. You know, someone brought up something interesting, and I'm not justifying, obviously, Roman Polanski by any means here, but uh, someone was saying that, you know, what happened to Roman Polanski after his wife and child got murdered by Manson, how that fucks you up psychologically. Sure. And I'm not saying what he did was right, but right. I wonder what that does to certain kinds of people. And sure. I wonder if that just fucked with him. I'm sure it definitely had some sort of an effect on his life. I mean, obviously, but like, still, like, you know, and you got, you did this horrible thing and you got caught and you're like, fucking, I'm fleeing back to Poland. And like, like, if he had went to jail, he'd been out long fucking time ago. Yeah. He probably would have gotten a year at they most. S the, like, they said they were going to have his sentence deferred or whatever, and then the, the judge said they were going to give him 50 years. That's why he fled to France or whatever. So what's going so on I mean, now? Like, France is just giving He's him, um, allowed to go from France to to Switzerland and I think one other place but he, he can't go anywhere else so France just kind of give him a free pass basically them. if he goes anywhere they, they else they'll just him. fucking nab him and extradite they him. won't extradite him uh, yeah this is a complicated subject right I mean yeah, like, yeah, I, like sure. I personally like I, I'll be I'll be straight up my one of my favorite shows of all fucking time is the Cosby show like mm -hmm. I'm sorry it is <laughs> like you know what I mean it, it doesn't it doesn't stop being one of my favorite fucking shows of all time just because Bill Cosby's a piece of shit I'm sorry uh, like I can separate I, Michael Jackson. I can music separate from Michael Jackson. Yes, his life. I can separate the art, I, like I can even separate the from the art, right? From like, like we did Rosemary's Baby. I fucking yeah. love Rosemary's Baby. Yeah. Like Polanski directing that doesn't affect me at all when I watch it, but this one obviously does because of the subject matter. Yeah, the nerves of the subject matter. It definitely like forces you to think about yeah if michael yeah. jackson had a song about raping kids i don't care how much of a banger it is yeah. like it, i'm not gonna it like that i'm not gonna <laughs> like that fucking song yeah i don't it is complicated though i mean fuck i mean i think in some ways it kind of strengthens the commentary because it's like look what happened right. you know to this guy yeah it definitely pulls yeah. on both fucking ends of it yeah. obviously all right matt what are you uh doing for what the fuck
control. So just like the that aspect as well, but mostly just like how um, how intense really that you know objectification is. Like how it struck me as very, um, very, very creepy. So that's where I'm going with my what the fuck. All right, man. My what the fuck, right? A dwarf cuts Donald <laughs> Sutherland's neck. Listen, he's six foot four. Uh-huh. Okay. Yeah. How, she was on a platform, though. I I understand. Like he's, <laughs> he's like he's like kneeling down, and it like catches him by surprise. I'm sorry. Like if you're six foot four, you are functionally immune to midgets. That's in, in my opinion. <laughs> like I it, so Donald Sutherland, I think. Fucks up a midget ten times out of ten, not not even close, dude. I don't care if you got a fucking hatchet or whatever the fuck. But like, if and I think if your if your film hinges on getting a midget to hack up someone's neck who's six foot four, yeah, that's a bad premise. Like that's a bad idea. Can we right? also like, add the fact that? What he... if she got him in the balls? Yeah, that would be hilarious. <laughs> yeah, even <laughs> even funnier. <It's... laughs> Yeah, I I mean, don't you think? Don't you think, like... Yeah, it's... Yeah. And, okay, like... I can understand kind of where it's, like, in the moment, it's like, oh, my God, my daughter's back, and then, like, oh, right. my whole fucking world just crashed it again on me. It only works if you, if you buy into the fact that he's paralyzed with fear. Yeah, yeah. can we also Which, add to the fact, though, that he locked himself in with Yeah, him? that it yeah. makes no sense. I don't care where the fuck you're going, you're gonna yeah. lock the gate? That's, like, yeah. that's the entrance. Like, I can... Or the exit. <laughs> If I'm, if I look, I could just go like this. I just put my hand out and stop you from coming at me. Like, like you're you're a midget. Uh-huh. Like <laughs> Brad, you're a midget. You can't get me. Yeah, it's over. If you're gonna ch- if you chase me down the block, right, and yeah. I disappear into a room, are you gonna shut that door or gate behind you? No, it's ridiculous. It's a it's ridiculous, ridiculous plot point. Right. Yeah. All right. This has already been brought up, um, <clears throat> so I'll make it quick. But yeah, how ironic that Roman Polanski. You know, a convicted rapist who raped and drugged a teenage girl wrote and directed what I think is an essential, yeah. you know, Me Too horror movie. You know, he's someone that's at the center of the problem. Center of the problem. And then, I don't know if you guys read about this, but the actress has taken a lot of heat. Have you guys read anything about I've that? I've not read anything about that. Yeah, the uh, actress has yeah. taken a lot of heat. She said that men have the freedom to pester women because seduction is not a crime. And that she believes that the Me Too movement is a witch hunt towards men. And she actually signed this this letter stating that, you know, the Me Too movement is a witch hunt. Gross. So my what the fuck is the yeah. director <laughs> this and... This me like it even less now. <laughs> yeah, so yeah, my what the fuck is the director and the actress made such an essential movie, but somehow completely missed the point. Yeah, you know, I just, it's crazy to me. It's so crazy. Yeah, they're like the complete opposite of what you want at, like... And he doesn't even, he hasn't even, like, suffered for the fucking rape that he committed, like... He doesn't get his comeuppance, like, you know. There are many <laughs> other accusations now, like, by the way. Oh, of course Many, many accusations. And it, he's never denied that he raped that girl either. Like, he's admitted fully, that, but he was just like, well, he took a I don't, plea, I don't understand why it's right. wrong. Like, yeah. that that's his problem, was like, I don't understand why it was wrong. Why do you think it's wrong that I did that? Like, it's totally normal in Poland. It's not, by the way, but he tried to fucking use that as an excuse. Sounds like a South Park episode. Yeah. Everyone's doing it, buddy! <laughs> 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 All right, uh, that takes us to... Uh, the main category here, man. Uh, best picture. What are you best doing? Picture. Uh, for me, it's Don't Look Now. I think it was a movie that I enjoyed uh, a decent amount on the first viewing, and the second time through, like it grew so fucking much on me. This, these two movies remind me a lot of that A twenty four marathon that we did. These slow burn movies, watch them through a second time, and they just like they build on themselves, and you let them 
kind of just wash over you in a different way the second time you see it. You're not as, as engrossed in, like, whatever mysteries they're trying to, to put in front of you. Like, you, you know it, so you're able to fucking focus on what's actually happening. And there's a lot of themes, like, rolling through this movie, like, grief. Uh, one we didn't talk about, communication. Like, all the women in this movie are always, yep. like, straightforward. <clears throat> they talk about the things they want to talk about, and they get it off the chest. And guys are always, like, hemming and hawing, and they don't know what to say. When they fucking call the, the boarding school that their son's out, the headmaster. the headmaster's talking, and he doesn't he can't fucking explain it. So his wife takes the phone and explains it perfectly. Yep. So it's, it's a movie about, like, yeah, the wife can fucking communicate, and that's why she's getting over this grief, and he doesn't know how to talk about it, and that's why it's just fucking enveloping him so much. Uh, I think it's just a fucking fantastic movie. Yeah, I wish the ending wasn't a fucking dwarf hacking him in the neck, but the the symbolism that that all goes around it is is fucking great. I love the how they built everything to it. I just wish it had paid off a little bit better towards the end. Yeah. And you know one of my favorite awards tonight that I didn't <laughs> give um was was yours Nathan for best duo um and don't look now. And I think uh you hit that right on the uh yeah, they're so like down to earth people. Yeah, it just yeah, seemed like a believable, like a believable couple. Yeah, Matt, best picture. Uh, so I'm also going with uh, Don't Look Now. Um, a lot of the points that I wanted to t- touch on, I've already touched on. Best director, Kyle's already mentioned them, but I do want to say that yeah, I feel that it is would be a more rewatchable film. Like after I was finished watching the first time. Uh, I thought, yeah, this is actually a film I would consider watching again just to see uh, what I could get out of the second time around. I watched a little bit of it, like just scenes, just to refresh my memory. And um, yeah, it worked just as well the second time around. Um, yeah, everything's cohesive and uh, great portrait of a grieving couple. Um, like Kyle said, the communication. The other Another thing about that is that... Um, Laura's the one who talks to their son in the hospital, not um, not John, and just you know the lack of communication, like not talking through their grief at all. Um, John wants to just shut everything down, and she wants to actually explore it. Um, yeah, just a really and just a really um, well-made film, just visually more interesting, uh, score-wise, um, a lot more conventional as well. Um, so that's why I'm giving it my best picture. Alright. <clears throat> I did like both of these films a lot. Um, I think that... I went with Repulsion, and I'll explain in a second. But I think, with Don't Look Now... Um, I know Nicholas Rogue, I, I read in an interview, I think, where he had talked about, like, the film for him was an exercise in, like, you know, motifs and themes, you know, like, grief. Um, and they want, in terms of motif, they wanted to use a lot of water, a lot of falling, a lot of uh, misinterpretation. Reflection. Reflection. And I and that's what I think of the movie. I think the I think of the movie as an exercise in themes and motifs and how can we fit all these things in. I think he, I think he does a wonderful job, but I do think of it more as like an exercise in filmmaking more so than like a a really enjoyable. Yeah, and film. that's why he got my best uh, director. Yeah, I do think the, I do think he's a great director. Um, what else does I, he direct? I'm sorry. What else does he direct? He's he's directed not a whole lot, but things you would know. Um, let me look him up. So Go I'll ahead. Uh, I went with Repulsion. Honestly, I think that. I don't know that I think it's a Pantheon movie, but I do kind of think it's an essential movie. I think it's a unique movie. It's a Criterion uh, collection. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I I was really surprised by, by Repulsion. Uh, like you said, in terms of the character's uh, perspective yeah. on things and the time period, and that was a, a not something I had ever thought to explore. Not at all. You know? Not at all. Uh, so I think it's it's unique in that way, and I, th- I found it to be very enjoyable. Yeah. 
Yeah, did you find... Yeah, uh, so uh, his other big one, The Witches, um, he did... Okay. He did The Witches? Yeah. Uh, I don't think I've ever seen The Bad Witches. Timing. He d- directed a bunch of episodes of Young Indiana Jones and hmm, did uh, The Heart of Darkness, like the documentary made into a movie with John Malkovich. And Porky's. <laughs> <laughs> and Castaway, but not that Castaway. It's called Walkabout is a pretty good movie if you're uh, interested in checking more of his filmography. Was that Walkabout? Walkabout. Yeah, it's like an Australian film of this young woman and her Australian guy going through the outback. A little bit of a, a little bit of psychological horror themes as well, but it's mainly like a coming of age story. So it's an interesting uh, melding of genres there. Okay, does that have something yeah. to do with um, kangaroo hunting and alcoholism? No, haven't seen it. <laughs> it <does not> <laughs> <laughs> haven't seen it. All right, so my best picture is, um, I do, guys, I'd be lying if I told you that I loved both these movies. Let me just say this. I don't think Edgar Wright is going to have a hard time topping Don't Look Now or Repulsion, in my opinion. Um, I'm very curious to see what inspirations he pulled from, from both of these movies. And I'll also add that I, I do think, if, if someone's listening right now, I do think that both movies require multiple viewings. <clears throat> Maybe I'd like them more um, on, a, on a second viewing. But as of right now, if I have to pick one, I'm going with Repulsion. Uh, the more I think about Repulsion, the more I like it. Um, while I was doing my awards this week, and I wasn't expecting this, Carol's story just really got in my head. Because like I said, the first 45 minutes of Repulsion, just I was like, oh, this is kind of boring. It's but then, very boring. Yeah, it is. But then I started, I think Don't Look Now is as well. But uh, Repulsion is the one that kind of, crept up on me throughout the week and I started thinking about everyone's actions in in the movie especially the Mel's and I was like it just it really weighed on me I, I kept coming back to the idea of repulsion as a uh, a me too horror movie uh, even though it wasn't done on purpose mm-hmm. right but I think the commentary makes repulsion the the movie to see and it's the movie that I want to watch again it's the movie that I, I, I'm still thinking about so I'm going with repulsion for best picture any comments before we take a break uh, this turned out to be much better than I expected it to be. I was kind of like, when you put it together, I was like, okay, whatever. I like Edgar Wright, so I'll watch these so I can yeah. see the inspiration. But, like, I turned out really liking both of these, liking a lot of shit about both of these movies, and definitely taking a, an appreciation for these movies and something I'll, you know, recommend to certain people sometime. Yeah. yeah, and it's really important to me throughout the year, I'm always trying to find different episodes to do things that we haven't seen or different genres because everyone's talking about like justice league and comic book mm-hmm. movies and you know right. it gets boring when we're all talking about yeah. the same thing so i'm always yeah. looking for that like what can we oh like oh cool edgar wright's doing a psychological movie you know like a psychological horror movie so what is his inspirations yeah and, and Boom, like, let's do this like let's I talk said, about it like the a24 marathon i put together last year was probably my favorite marathon versus that we've ever done not to toot my own horn someone i'm trying but like this this did remind me a lot of that where it's just like really deep fucking dive shit and I love when we get to do that uh-huh. too so yeah cool. so I think it's important to keep on doing episodes like this because I you know I didn't really care for this versus all that much there's some things that I really enjoyed in both these these uh, in this verses but it was far from my favorite verses um, and I put this together but I did it because so we could talk about mm-hmm. something different yeah. uh, Matt any final uh, comments before we take a break. Well, so I like Don't Look Now a lot more than Repulsion. Um, like I said, it's probably a film I might get around to revisiting sometime. Uh, Repulsion, though, I do appreciate how for its time is in 1965. It's basically an R-rated film in uh, 1965, well before that rating system was established in the U.S., uh, probably because it was European, and European films were uh, more mature than you have the violence. 
Lee. So I think to appreciate that aspect and, you know, how um, prescient looking from it for today's perspective, the comments on um, the comment sexuality was, how like it had its time it probably was. Um, so they're definitely very strong um, impressions to take from both of them. So, yeah, I found perfection. This actually was a really good matchup. Final comments? I enjoyed it. Um, I think, mm-hmm. so, like, I haven't really been following the Last Night in Soho thing. Uh, when you suggested these movies, I never really heard of them. I, I'm glad we watched them, though. You know what I mean? Like, I, I meant what I said on the the, uh, the poll, I think it was, like, taking from someone who has not seen these before, like, they're worth a watch. They're definitely worth a watch. Um, and I also think it's it's great that, like, fuck, we've been doing this shit for five or six years, and there's still movies that, like, I don't even fucking heard yeah, of this shit. Yeah. And it's good. You know what I mean? I think. And it, it's worthwhile. And it's, you know... Uh, you get into that habit, I think, after a while of, like, fuck, like, what haven't we talked about yet? Yeah. Tons of shit. Tons of shit. Tons of my, shit. My favorite thing that someone's ever told me about video land is I never know what you guys are going to talk about next. Mm. And it's so true. We're going to talk about Lone Wolf, McQuaid, and Silent Rage. We're going to talk about yeah. Bond, which is our next episode, James Bond, A24 films. Mm-hmm. You know, what are we going to talk about? Uh, psychological horror, you know? So it's, uh, I think it's important to always keep people guessing and, you know, bringing new things to the table. Yeah. So, all right, uh, let's take a break. We will count the golden idols and we will be right back with the results. We are back. Before we crown tonight's Golden Idol winner, Kyle, who won the Facebook poll? Let's see if I can get on Facebook since I've been banned. (laughs) Oh, yeah, I can look at these. This is the lowest poll, I think, in AV history. Uh, It has changed. It is currently uh, 10 to 8. Repulsion, 10. Don't look now, 8. Uh, don't have a lot of votes on this one. Don't have a lot of comments. Uh, Vincent Suarez is one who had a comment saying, tough call. I love and I revisit both of them almost equally, but I tip my cap to don't look now for how heartbreaking it is. Uh, Patricia Perillo said, are, are you talking about Polanski's Repulsion? I love it. One of the first movies I, I force feed my boyfriends. Weird. Uh, <laughs> but, and she also says, but I haven't seen Don't Look Now. Um, I think somebody else said something else. How many of those about. people do you think honestly watched both movies well there was like oh. you would you would uh you know copied this this po- this poll like somewhere else and someone commented on that and i i think it was uh josh mclaughlin he was just like i've never seen either of these but i'm gonna vote in the poll and just say repulsion because it yeah. sounds cooler like, yeah what the fuck <laughs> yeah i don't think anybody uh not a lot of people have heard about these movies so again i i like that though i think it's important yeah all right uh so uh do you have the awards counted up i do indeed lay it on us baby all right, kind of the opposite from the poll. We got 20 for Repulsion and 31 for Don't Look Now. Uh, I think Matt and I kind of pushed Don't Look Now a little bit harder. So that, that's what that tipped it off towards you. All right, so Don't Look Now won. Yeah. I would not have guessed that. I thought Repulsion was going to take it. What I, was, what was the score again? So uh, 31 to 20. Wow. Was it really? Yeah, wow. that, that threw me off. Yeah, huh. I, I did not expect that. I thought Repulsion was kind of ahead. Hmm. Huh. Well, you can't, uh, can't argue with the numbers, right? Yeah. All right, so Don't Look Now is uh, the only movie that matters at this point. Yeah. Does it deserve Pantheon? Nathan, what is Pantheon? Pantheon is the house of the gods. See, I didn't say it. Uh, it's the house of the gods. It's the, the movie. It's the place where we put all of the best movies, the best of the best. You know, they're, they're unique. They say something special. They speak to us as a community. It's a special little shelf where we put things that we like. And at this point, if we all agree that this movie should get kicked up to the council, um, it will. But if one of us <clears throat> says no, correct, it's done for it's the night. Matt, let's start with you. Does Don't Look Now deserve Pantheon? 
say no right now. Um, I mean, Kyle made the good point that upon rewatchability, any of us could change our mind. But at the moment, it's like a really well-made film. Um, but, I mean, other directors have probably made this type of film better. Uh, like Shyamalan's, it has done like a better twist ending. Um, like you said, this is very Hitchcockian. Hitchcock has made better films than this, so... Based on comparison and based on just the fact that it's, you know, a really good movie, but not anywhere close to, like, superb, um, I'm going to have to say no. Yeah, I kept on seeing the word masterpiece thrown out for mm-hmm. Don't Look Now and for Repulsion. I don't think either one's a masterpiece, by the way. I would have said no. I no. Mean, if you Maybe at that time it was, probably, but, I mean, films don't necessarily age... Um, Perfectly. I mean, I would, I would say it's like like anachronistic or anything, but um, you know, it's not like uh, an eternal masterpiece or anything. Yeah, even with Repulsion, Repulsion, I would have said you know maybe yes, just so I was forced to watch it again and hear everyone's thoughts on it. But I I don't think either one of these are are, are perfect movies. Um, mm-hmm. I think both movies could be done better. I think if you take let's just take Hitchcock. I think if you take Hitchcock, and I know it's just about Don't Look Now, but I'm going to use <clears> Don't <throat> Look Now and Repulsion. I think if you take a lot of Hitchcock movies and you just, we did a versus, say Psycho. Mm-hmm. Psycho versus Don't Look Now. I think, like, say Psycho, and I know they're different types of movies, but Psycho shits down its, its throat, you know, with yeah. score and location and, and just a bunch of things. Well, what about this? Talk about how it kind of matches up with A24. Put Robert Eggers in charge of Repulsion. Yes. Put Ari Aster in charge of Don't Look Now and see what they can do. I think you brought up A24 earlier. I think a studio like A24 and and the right director could make a better version of both these movies. Um, But since we're talking about Don't Look Now, I think, uh, yeah, A24 or and Edgar Wright could make a better Don't Look Now. Um, So I have to say no to Pantheon. Kyle, what do you think? For me, it would have been a tentative yes in the same way you said with Repulsion. You kind of just want to watch it again and see what other people have to say about it. That's how, how I feel about Don't Look Now. Like, uh, I, I think I think everyone, if you watch it a second time, you'll like it a lot more. I know I've said that a bunch tonight, but I like truly fucking feel that way about that. Um, I think it's interesting. I think it's, yeah, other than the, the, the ending, like... Matt said, oh, yeah, the twists have been done better. But it's like, the movie's not about the twist at the end. Yeah, like, it's about yeah, the ride so. up up unto that point. Like, before it gets to that point is, that's the movie for me. Like, that end is just to be like, John was a psychic. All this shit that he was saying was real. Like, that really has little to fucking do with the dwarf lady cutting him in the neck. It's just, that's what you're, you're getting in that moment. But, yeah. like, that's not really the point of that moment to me. Um, I, I like this movie a lot. I don't know if I would say yes if it went to Pantheon. But, like... It's one of those things I would I would just want to see yeah. people talk about that haven't gotten to see it. Just because people should watch these fucking movies. We saw the poll numbers were low. Like even people that voted in it didn't yeah. know what they were fucking voting for. They just so, guessed. Like right. Matt and I blocked it already, but you yeah. would have. So it's not going up, but no, you would have said I, I would have given it a kick up. Yeah. Okay. Um, just so we can look back on it later, call it. Okay. Do you think from your okay your opinion? Do you think last night in Soho? Do you think it'll be a better movie than both of these? It's hard because I don't. I purposely like uh, stayed away from it as much as possible. But and I love Edgar Wright. I I'll say no. Yeah. I think Don't Look Now will end up being better. Okay, I think Edgar Wright is uh, or uh, Last Night in Soho is gonna be better. So we'll see. If I had to guess, I mean, I think Matt said this earlier that <clears throat> he's a very consistently good director. Yeah. you know what I mean. And so like that's really the thing about these these two movies. I don't think that they're. I think that they're great at times. I really do. 
I was very into the first like 20, 30 minutes, especially of Don't Look Now. Yeah, when, so when was they, I. When they started doing like they did the smudge on the fucking painting, and yeah. I was like, oh, I'm gonna be really fucking into this. And then they go to Venice. Yeah, and then it was like, I, the, like I, I just I, wanted more of what I yeah. know, had in the beginning. I don't think that either of these films is consistently really strong throughout. I think it blows its load at the sex scene. It maybe, <laughs> maybe it does. Uh, I don't know. I would not have said yes to Pantheon. To maybe to either of them. I probably feel the same way about Repulsion that you do about Don't Look Now. Where like I don't know that I would have said yes, but I maybe would have would have kicked it up because I want to see what other people think. I do want other people to watch the movies though. I absolutely do. Yeah, you um, might not like them, but yeah. I think. Anybody that watches them will pull something out of both of these movies that they really fucking appreciate. Yeah. As, as a I think viewer. it's silly that we've got poll numbers. Is I understand why, but poll numbers as low as they are, people being like, "Wow, I like that one's cooler." <laughs> you know what I mean? And it's like, dude, watch the movie. It's fucking. It's worthwhile. So shout out to Vincent Suarez for yeah. watching both yeah. of these yeah. movies and voting appropriately. <laughs> I think everyone was kind of preparing themselves so they could watch the four-hour cut of uh, oh, know, clearly that's yeah. Justice entirely League. Possible. That's yeah. what everyone wants. They don't want to waste all their movie, you know, watching. No, you know, I'll watch <laughs> Falcon and Winter Soldier, and that'll be my yeah. Got to save myself for the four-hour cut of Justice League. <laughs> all right, yeah. Um, it did surprise me though when you said "Don't look now." I, if I Vegas odds, I would have put money. I thought for sure, just from sitting at the table and hearing Repulsion so much, mm-hmm. I thought Repulsion was the winner. Ugh. Yeah. It's just repulsion was coming out of your mouth the most. Probably, probably so. <laughs> it was like nine to four on my votes. I think it was pretty close on the same to Matt. Yeah, I was split. I think uh, eleven to two. No yeah, eleven to two. Oh, yeah. Wow. Yeah, I, yeah. So that really put it ahead. Because I, I think I was like seven five. I'm seven six. Yeah. Yeah. So Matt, you mother. <laughs> All right. Any other comments before we uh, shut down, Kyle? Uh, straight up, if you're listening to this uh, and you haven't seen either of these movies, well, we've spoiled them both. But <laughs> like, watch these fucking movies because they're fucking just. I'll it's say it. I think they're both essential viewing for if you want to call yourself a film buff. I'll say it now, yeah. Okay. All right. Got anything else, Matt? Uh, no, just uh, thank you for inviting me to take a part in this versus. Um, it ended up, uh, you know, like I said, not my favorite genre, but I did, did end up appreciating both films for what they were, and uh, this was a great conversation. I've certainly done worse verses. <laughs> I've certainly done worse yeah, verses. Yeah. Road to Morocco. <laughs> that's, yeah, that's the one. Um, what was the other one? Road to... Uh, perdition, I think it was. Road Not Road to Perdition. <laughs> they were in the cold. Road to Yukon. That sounds like a great uh, versus. Road to Perdition, road to perdition versus, versus Road to Bali. Road to Morocco. <laughs> Dude, did you guys see the picture I posted uh, in our group? Uh, uh-huh. I found Road to Bali at Goodwill on VHS. Yeah, I'm sure. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh, no one even wanted that in their VHS collection. Like, take this to fucking Can you Goodwill. imagine? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. As always, I hope everyone enjoyed tonight's conversation. Where can Videoland find you? Movie Script Life on all your social media platforms. Uh, Kyle Brown on Facebook whenever I get unbanned. No, I was going to say for, not on Facebook. For, <laughs> for whatever fucking reason. Because someone else tagged me in a fucking meme that wasn't even offensive. I don't know. Fuck faith, Facebook's shitty ass algorithm right That's now. That's nuts. That's nuts. They've Yeah, they changed their algorithm at the beginning of the year. I've been banned twice for things I didn't fucking post. So, <laughs> fucking great. Yeah. Matt, where can they find you? Uh, you can find me at travelingmat 77 on Instagram and Twitter, and you can find me on the Facebook group of Adventures of Video Land. I'm also on Goodreads. All right, Nate? Yeah, just the Facebook, man. <laughs> just the Facebook. You're Listen, not banned. You're fire not banned. memes. Yeah, no. I, yeah. <laughs> Unban the man. <laughs> Unban, un- yeah. Wholesome memes Nathan Pulsing over there. Wholesome memes, yeah. <laughs> 
They're pretty dank, but they're wholesome. All right. You can find me on Facebook as Brad McBoom. You can also find me on Instagram and the website. You've been listening to Criticism in its finest hour. Until next time, my good people, peace out.